You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday night edition of the Talking About podcast. I'm your host, Sean Kennedy, and we are going to discuss the 111.99 victory for the Philadelphia 76ers over the Boston Celtics. And joining me to discuss that win is Dave Early of Liberty Ballers. Dave, how are you doing this evening? I'm really good. Thanks for having me, Sean. Yeah, I'm glad to talk to you. Always good to uh, hash out a Sixers win over the Celtics. Can never can never see that too many times. Um, yeah, it's it's weird how the NBA a, a team can look completely different from one night to the next. We saw it with Golden State getting blown out by Milwaukee Thursday night, and then as we're recording this, they're beating Chicago by forty. And <laughs> as for the Sixers, they were completely flat, as Doc Rivers described it um, in their loss to Charlotte, which broke their long winning streak. And then tonight, they just come out and. They, they look like a completely different team. They end the first quarter on a 28 to four run, which really broke the game open. And there was never really any doubt uh, about the outcome of this one. Um, the final score looked a lot closer than it was because the, the Celtics bench uh, did a good job in the last seven minutes of kind of closing the gap a little bit. They played hard. So, but yeah, Dave, um, just a, a really good team win tonight. And we were talking about it a, a bit offline, but just, just weird to see Boston kind of looking in such disarray, huh? It is weird. You know, like Sixers fans, we want – a lot of Sixers fans want Jalen Brown in a trade, um, and they don't even consider Tatum for good reason obtainable. The Celtics have both of these guys, and they, they're of a 500 club through now beyond 30 games, and it's kind of weird. I don't watch them enough to give you a tremendous take on what exactly is wrong. I just can say it's it's weird that something is so clearly wrong. And the Sixers have had their number now for a while. Yeah, they, they've definitely, since those those playoff disappointments, they, they seem to have swung the, the pendulum back in their direction. And they, they seem to be getting the better end of these matchups more often than not. Uh, we already joked, but the, the Al Horford-Josh Richardson tandem just puts, it, puts the kibosh on functioning teams that just it just can't work <laughs> um but yeah it, you know they got they got the jays and it, they, they, they're they a very talented team in a lot of ways but they just it, it's a weird vibe from them this year and i i totally understand why there's all the smoke about things getting broken up with that roster it just doesn't doesn't look good but the sixers did look good tonight fortunately uh for us and we'll start with joel Embiid, who sadly did not reached the 30-point plateau tonight, which means he will remain tied with Wilt Chamberlain and Allen Iverson for with eight consecutive 30-point games. He did not uh, surpass them and move into sole position of that arbitrary record. But yeah, elite company, and despite only scoring 25 tonight, 
still an incredible Joel game, 13 boards, six assists, uh, a steal and a block. Um, just he looked completely in control. He, he was dominant and they still have no answer for him. You know, we said this when they had Tice, when they've deployed freedom canter on him. Um, uh, and, you know, Robert Williams is certainly better and Al Horford has had Joel's number in years past, but there's really nothing they can do about him. And it, it kind of feels that way every time the, the Sixers play the Celtics. It also feels like it's still personal. I know Joel at one point, didn't he say like, this is not a rivalry. They always kick our butts after the, the bubble sweep, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's almost felt like he's had a personal challenge to, uh, to hand it to them ever since. Yeah, Horford was a guy that the Sixers acquired in part because they're like, oh, well, now he won't have to play Horford. Embiid won't have to go up against Horford four times a year because he'll be on our team. So that's great. Uh, just because Horford was a guy that Embiid had his struggles against, but it, it feels like Joel has leveled up considerably. I mean, like that was that was those days. first ever full season and first ever playoffs. For, to assume that that was going to stay the case yeah. was crazy. Yeah, he's he's a completely different player, as as you just pointed out. That was a different part of his career. Um, yeah, so Horford no longer the the boogeyman <laughs> in, in slowing down Joel Embiid that he once was. And Gasol, yeah, on the other hand, <laughs> Gasol can now that he's retired can forever remain in that category. Yes. We'll, we'll never know. Um, but yeah, uh, Joel Joel just his passing another six assists His passing is so on point. Now he's, he's really recognizing double teams coming and every, the game has seems to have really slowed down for him. Uh, you know, going the, granted his, his coast to coast transition highlight play did not work out in his favor tonight. Um, he nearly ended Aaron Naismith's life uh, when Naismith stepped up to take a charge and it was originally ruled the blocking call, but they, they challenged and Naismith got, uh, the benefit of the of the charge um so it didn't quite work out for joel but just seeing that man lumbering down court full speed trying to go coast to coast and absolutely throw down a hellacious dunk attack that hit back rim and i think bounced back to midcourt uh it, it always puts a a smile on my face to see to see that it's just something you don't see on the basketball court very often huh he, he's a marvel um although i i was not smiling in that play i'm thinking Dude, like you're up 17 with four minutes to go and you have Miami tomorrow. You shouldn't even be in the game. Don't try yeah. one of these dunks. What if he, what if Neesman took a flagrant foul? We've seen that people do that on Joel before. Um, yeah, he, he did get up right away, which was fortunate. There wasn't even the like the, the split second of him laying on the ground and everyone holds their collective breath or anything. So that was good. It, it, yeah, it was good. It, it ended well, but I was yeah. just thinking. If Neesmith decided to be to make a name for himself and try to challenge that and ended up sending him to the ground hard, uh, that would be terrible and it would be unnecessary up 17 with a few minutes left. Yeah, you're right. Um, it, it seemed like Joel was trying, maybe trying to get to the 30 because he, yeah, maybe. I, think, I think he had Seth like flanking him on, on the, the fast break and he could have probably dished it like a little bounce pass and got the assist there, but it, it seemed like he really wanted was hunting the bucket. Maybe if I um, was, if I was doc and he said, I want that 30, I would say, all right, but let's get some finger rolls. No dunks. <laughs> Just keep shooting the threes. Um, yeah, let's that's, do, that's let's fine. Do it that way. You can get there quicker that way. Uh, yeah. So good. Great, great Joel game. Uh, I, I think 
him and Wilt and AI all being tied is kind of perfect, actually. With that, it, it's a very nice encapsulation of different eras of Sixers basketball. And for them yeah. to, to all be uh, there just tied with each other, I think, is a, it's a perfect result. Um, yeah. Another good guy, another guy who had a great performance tonight was Tyrese Maxey, who tied a career high with uh, five made threes. He was five for seven from downtown. He had 23 points, five assists. And in addition to those threes, a couple of really nice finishes around the rim. He had the one along the baseline where he went up and under, uh, just hung in the air more than you would think would be humanly possible. Um, but yeah, Tyrese's, his three-point shooting, how, how much do you think it's it's streaky and how much do you think it's something that we can just definitely count on at this point? That's a really good question. I don't know specifically. There was one game, I feel like it was the Raptors game, where he didn't he didn't play particularly well, but I, w- I watched his release and his follow-through, and he seemed sort of determined to to leave that sort of you know, the goose egg, the, what do they say? Like put your hand in the cookie goose neck. Yeah. He, he had a really nice gooseneck and I thought it might've precipitated some, some pretty good shooting. I know he had that game against the nets where he got hot. And I think if you're looking for some pattern, it's basically the catch and shoot with room. If he, if he can catch and shoot with plenty of room, he does have a little bit of a lower release, but he gets more arc on those releases and that's that's kind of what i'm looking for the best versions of him uh are pretty much what you'd expect like an open corner three so the more of those you can get him and i know ever since that game um doc rivers was in health and safety protocol we have seen it a little bit more since he also might listen to your podcast because we talked about maybe staggering the Embiid max minutes and we saw a fair stagger tonight and i think it worked to get to, you know, to get a lineup out there where you could say, Terry, just go get buckets, please. And he can do that easier when Joel's out. Yep. He, they, they definitely have been staggering more. Um, it, and I think that was a, a tweak that basically everyone who, who covers, watches, analyzes the Sixers was, was shouting to the rooftops that, hey, do this. Um, so, yeah, eventually Doc <laughs> did come around, uh, which is good to see. And it helps that they're a little healthier for sure. I mean, they don't have as, as many guys out as, as they had a few weeks back. Um, so that enables them to maybe experiment a little bit more with shuffling guys in and out in different roles. Uh, yeah. but yeah, good, good, good. Another good effort from Tyrese tonight. And I, I agree. The shooting does look a little bit more consistent. Um, it seems like he's a more confident than he even was at the beginning of the season. And he was, light years ahead of where he was at the end of last season as far as uh being his willingness and and everything else from behind the beyond the arc but uh yeah he he seems to have found his spots that he likes now and you know you you have Joel Embiid as the the centerpiece of your offense you're going to get a lot of open looks out of those double teams and those those hockey assists that that go to Tyrese in the corner there um yeah and he's knocking them down so that and then that that dynamo ball in the hands second unit leader that he can be in those those staggered rotations like that that's a really good role for him right now I feel like yeah he has some really nice highlight like reverse layups too in this one yep he sure did he's yeah Jackson Frank um, our colleague 
said it very tongue in cheek, I'm sure on Twitter, but he's the turbo turbocharged version of Steph Curry, uh, <laughs> which yeah, uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> If he's hitting five threes tonight, so that's hence the joke. But uh, yeah, he 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 definitely can get to the rim like very few people in this league. And he, if he can consistently hit the, those threes at well as well and become the three level scorer because he already has the at rim finishing and the floater game, like sky's the limit for this kid. Um, that's right. Another another good young performance tonight from a young young sixer was uh matisse thibel who was incredible on the defensive end he had five steals two blocks i believe the five steals tied a career high for him as well um unfortunately he did eventually leave the game with what was termed a right shoulder injury uh i I have to believe it happened when matisse had a steal he was going faster than full speed if if such a thing exists down court for a dunk and it looked like his hand got caught in the rim um Dennis Schroeder also kind of gave him the tiniest of pushes on his backside uh as he was going up in the air um it didn't look like he pushed very hard but any any amount at all is obviously dangerous and Schroeder did get a flagrant one after they reviewed it but Thibel landed very dangerously it looked bad on his his back shoulder area it was is a hard fall where his body was just at a completely wrong angle to, when you land on the court and he did go back right in the game he missed both free throws on the flagrant foul but uh, then hit a corner three um, on that same possession so looked to be okay but then later left the game um which you know dave we can talk about how how great he played tonight but they're already down danny green with and they're just kind of getting short on wing defenders right now. If, if Matisse misses any period of time tonight and they have Miami right, they're right back at it with Miami tomorrow night. Like that, that's not an area of the roster where they're really strong right now. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he was up, he was walking around he was smiling. He shot his free throws. It, it actually looked like he made the decision mid air okay, I don't need to put out my wrist. That's actually more dangerous. I'm not going to land on my neck or my head. So I'm just going to take this on the flat of my back. I, I feel like I've seen it in slow-mo, so maybe I'm reading his mind here and there's no time to think. But it looked like he, he kind of like decided I can land hard. And then when he did, you saw him with his right arm. So I don't know if that's a shoulder blade, ribs. They said shoulder, so I guess we'll see. It, it was too flat for me to immediately go to like, collarbone or ac sprain um which would both lead to significant time so um be, not being a doctor at all I'm, I'm at least just optimistic as a fan that he might be all right do you at least play one on twitter or something <laughs> I, I i don't but as a sixers fan we all have to learn about navicular bones and yes. sesame allergies so we've seen so many of these <laughs> yes we, we get an honorary degree as a sixers fans and any number of medical ailments and maladies to be sure. Exactly. Uh, So we're all, we're all wildly overconfident in our ability to to determine what happened. But I, um, I feel like he landed in a way that didn't make me too scared. So I'm optimistic that he'll be okay uh, to have avoided a long-term injury, but yeah, they they are shorthanded. I know that's a theme in the NBA right now. A lot of teams are really depleted and cobbling it all together. Uh, But the Sixers, with $33 million of defense off the roster or down to Mac uh, Matisse as a stopper. And 
we know that Doc has a short leash for him. We saw that in the prior game with the Hornets. He missed a couple shots, and Doc was like, you know what, I'm just not going to play him tonight. So it, it could leave you hanging. They made, you know, the defense without him with between Curry and Maxie made Gordon Hayward look like peak Tracy McGrady. So it can get ugly quick. Oh, I, I wasn't ready for the, the Hayward McGrady comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was joking, joking about that watching that game. Like you'd think that Hayward was a superstar tonight. Uh, he's, he did play like one on Wednesday night, a uh, nine for mm-hmm. nine from the field in that first half. And, probably the biggest reason the the Hornets broke that winning streak for the Sixers. And then of course, it being the NBA, the Hornets lost to the magic at home tonight. So yeah, never can tell on a given night what's going to happen. So other, other solid performances tonight from uh, both Tobias Harris and Seth Curry. Um, So good, good night for all the starters as a whole. Uh, Tobias had 17 and uh, Seth had 17 as well with seven assists and five threes as well from Seth. So nothing, nothing earth shattering from those guys, just, just getting it done. Um, how, what have you seen from Tobias in the last couple of games? And are you at all worried about this uh, tendonitis in his shoulder? Yeah, it was, you know, as soon as you saw that, you thought that's such interesting timing because he has his name mentioned several times about a trade. And then he, then we hear sort of like retrospective analysis on his shoulder. He's been dealing with a shoulder. And I wondered like, well, that couldn't help you trade him. Is that to explain his poor performance lately? Cause we were wondering on our Slack, like what's going on. Is it, is his hip lingering? Is, does he have a case of long COVID? He mentioned, you know, have being short of breath and players have conversations about that. But we were trying to figure out why Harris doesn't look like Harris um, what have I seen from him? He, he's not playing like the guy he was one year ago. I mean, he basically peaked around this time last year. He had some tremendous games against Utah and the Lakers. He was in that sort of rarefied percentage club, 50, 40, 90. Uh, and this year he's not the same guy. I, I am dubious. I'm skeptical that he's like the best fit anyway. But I, I don't think he's playing at his best. So it's a concern for sure. Um, not a ton of promising performances from him. And you wonder if he's going to be here long term, I guess, in the next three weeks. It would be sad for him if he had his sixth team by, before his age 30 came. But uh, it, it could be where we're headed. Yeah, and... We're going to talk about that and and more of the the trade roundups um, in the second half of this episode, but yeah, it's 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 tough because he he seemed to be reaching his ceiling last year. Um, there was no reason coming into the season you didn't think like he could at least continue that, and the the regression or the drop off has been so strong this year that that plus the contract, it's just really soured the whole Tobias Harris experience. And, you know, you want to, you want to root for the guy. He's a great guy. And, and all that, that goes into the, all, all the side discussions surrounding Tobias, but yeah, just not, not nearly reaching the level of production you need for the, the asset allocation that that goes towards him in with a salary cap and everything else um, so just it's it's definitely a, a net negative for the team right now but 
tonight was fine. Uh, I, I thought he he didn't hit. He only had one three. He was one for six from behind the arc, but he, I thought he did. He wasn't really stagnant with the ball in his hands. He kept it moving. He he picked his spots pretty well with a couple of those mid range shots and everything. So if he if he did this consistently every night, I, I don't think people would grape nearly as much. But uh, yeah, there's there's too many of those really poor performances that have been sprinkled in so far this year for for what you would hope from him. Yeah, the team was getting stops, and when they get rebounds and live ball turnovers he gets a few buckets in transition i think that's that goes a long way with a player like him in terms of rhythm and confidence yep and that goes to previous discussions we had where he's a guy that misses having ben simmons around a lot because ben would get those he would create those easy buckets for his teammates in transition and uh you know great great passer uh just finding tobias right where he needed the ball to to get those shots up quickly and everything um, so yeah, that's, it, it's got to yeah. hurt, hurt Tobias more than most did not have been around. Um, yeah. Just and less, less pressure on an offense when you're a top two or three defense, you don't have to score 114 to get a win. Yep. Yeah. To be sure. So, and, and Tobias just not, not a great self creator. Um, so having a, a playmaker like Ben that can assistant and allow him to play off of that it certainly yeah. helps a lot um all right so 111 99 win for the sixers uh tonight over boston they're going to be right back at it um in miami on saturday night uh so quick turnaround for the sixers we'll see if they can put forth another good effort um we're going to take a quick break from our sponsors now and when we come back we're going to talk about some of the trade rumors that have been buzzing around. We're less than a month away from the trade deadline. So talks are heating up. Hopefully they get even hotter. Um, we're going to talk about some of them coming up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. So, Dave, a lot of rumors and swirling stuff surrounding the the Sacramento Kings and their potential as a Sixers trade partner. One was that one report was that the Sixers canvassed the prospect of a De'Aaron Fox Ben Simmons trade, um, and that report initially came from Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes uh, at Liberty Ballers. We had sourced reporting that the Sixers were only interested in Fox if it was to facilitate a multi-team deal, but it's still interesting that it was his name that was specifically thrown out there and not Tyrese Halliburton, who was a guy that Sixers 
myself and a lot of the guys at Liberty Ballers and, and a certain segment of this, the Sixers fan base has, has kind of glommed onto as like the, the top target within the reasonable range right now. So that was one interesting facet. And then also the later report that came out that the Kings could be convinced to take on Tobias Harris's contract. And that would be interesting in the sense that it would open a lot of salary cap potential for the Sixers down the road. Like, could you then bring in a max free agent in the summer? Um, and that was via Mark Stein's Substack newsletter. So Dave, you were the guy uh, covering both both those reports for us on the site this afternoon. What did you make of those? Yeah, I think the the one that you that you drew attention to, why would they have canvassed the prospect of Fox when in a lot of ways Tyrese Halliburton makes more sense? I wouldn't read into that that they were not interested in Halliburton. If I had to guess, I would think they do they are higher on Halliburton as a fit. Um you know, he's a couple of years younger. I think that they prefer his jump shot, which, you know, Fox is shooting 24%. What I make of this is, was it a few days ago, Sam Amick of The Athletic had a report that Halliburton and Fox are no longer untouchable. Uh, I'm thinking the Sixers were just conducting due diligence and called to check on the price of both of them to understand, you know, is there a larger framework? What is the price of each guy? How much does a team like... Indiana or the New York Knicks like Fox, if they're really high on him, that might work to our advantage. I think that's what it was um, sort of sussing out the price range just to, to understand what might be possible. And then I think that trickled out from Chris Haynes doing a piece specifically on Fox. And he had a whole bunch of quotes from Darren himself saying, you know, I'm trying to focus on playing well here, but I know anyone could be traded. So I don't think it was like, really into Fox today. That's what I, that's how I make of that news. What do you think? Yeah, it was, it seemed like maybe that was coming a little bit more from the Kings camp. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just all along, ever since the summer, it Fox has from all the, the reports and the sourcing we've heard Fox is just not somebody that the Sixers have been looking to acquire. So I don't know why that would suddenly change now when there, there have been other options that have, kind of opened up in recent weeks like why would you go back to this this player that you've had zero interest in all along and yeah he's had a couple good games lately but not to the point where you can completely change your analysis of him as a player and and as a a fit on your team um so yeah i i think you're right it was just like well are there other teams that are interested in fox like what what would you be asking for for this guy like maybe the price is so right that we just we just make it work because i don't know maybe they throw in draft picks or other you you get healed and barnes or just it, it a lot of other pieces that that would be you know beneficial as 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 a team and then you know that there's some another party that is interested in Fox and you can get something you want. Like, I guess it doesn't hurt to have those conversations, but I, I just think like the fit issues with Fox is just, especially with Maxi just blowing up this year and becoming the player we've seen him to be like those two together are not, they don't jive. So why would you even, even worry about this guy that doesn't fit with a 
a young player in Maxi who's looks to be a core part of your your present and future. So, I, yeah, I don't. I, ultimately, I don't take anything from it because I don't. I don't think that that would be the the pusher chips in the table move that Daryl would make for for this guy. That's not a good fit. Um, the Tobias stuff was interesting because we have to me because we've we've heard that they are like having those conversations with other teams about packaging Tobias and Ben together. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about why they might be so interested in pursuing that kind of path with uh, a piece you wrote earlier in the week. But do you, th- do you think that's feasible for them to, to send Tobias to Sacramento? How, how realistic do you see that kind of deal? Um, my gut reaction is that it's not the most likely to happen before the deadline, just because it's difficult to move like $75 million worth of salary. You'd, you'd probably want a third team to get that done. And, you know, more than one rival team believes Sacramento could be convinced says to me, okay, two teams think Sacramento could be convinced, but it's not, uh, it doesn't really feel compelling. Right. Um, and it doesn't make a ton of sense for them. And I honestly, I struggle. I was asking this in our Slack today. I struggle to see the immediate benefit to the Sixers. Even if we all would agree that it's, it's terrible to have to pay Tobias so much. Uh, and it'll be provide a lot of flexibility if they could swap him for a guy like Barnes. So, you know, theoretically, if you had De'Aaron Fox as like your 41st best player, and you had Tyrese Harold Halliburton as like your 36th, maybe you'd go back a few rungs and take Fox if you could also swap Harris for Barnes and maybe get a pick out of it, you know? So I think they might be thinking along those lines. Um, but my first guess is that it's not likely to happen. And I don't know the cap well enough to tell you if they did do that, here's the, the following things that they could then pursue this summer because it's not like they would have a max space to offer anyway so it would be sacrificing the best part of your return in a ben simmons deal for some ancillary parts that you might not place as much value upon yeah they would they would certainly just also have to make other moves to clear the cap space even if they do the the they got the tobias contract off the books Uh, I i think the basic structure would be you get you get back something like fox healed and Barnes and I think Tristan Thompson would also have to be included to make salaries work, but he's an expiring. Um, in in the present, you're looking at Barnes and Healed being an upgrade to, to Tobias. If you're kind of separating these two segments of the trade in your mind, I, I think Barnes offers the the three and D at the the big forward position that Tobias does, and then you get Healed, who's this flamethrower shooter that the team could really use. I, I, I think those two together, that's, that's an upgrade to the roster versus having Tobias. Um, and then you're, you're not, you don't have anything from Simmons in the present. So you're getting Fox and it's, it would be either. All right. Well, you throw Fox in the mix and for a year, just try to make it work. He's at least having him in, in the guard rotation is hugely beneficial compared to what they have right now. Uh or it's what can you get from another team in a Fox, like moving Fox then to a third party. Like 
does right, that we'll mean? keep we'll keep healed we'll keep barnes we're gonna reroute fox to the new york knicks in exchange for this pick or that pick or this player yeah, picks and kind of thing yeah reddish and picks or whatever i don't know but or another another team just there's there's people out there that are interested in De'Aaron fox more than the sixers would be i'm sure yeah. so that that would definitely help you a lot in the present you're, you're, as you as you mentioned, you're you're definitely selling low on Ben Simmons in a vacuum, but you're getting the Tobias Harris deal off the books, which means that gives you a lot of future flexibility. So you you are helping your team in the future in the sense that you have a lot of cap flexibility that you didn't have previously. However, you're it it might not help you in the future as much as getting like a young guy like Halliburton would in a Ben Simmons trade. However, you, you are definitely better in the present as well. So you can make the argument that it straddles the helping in the present and helping in the future. Um, you can make that argument, but it's, it, it does seem like it would be selling low on your best trade asset, but it, it also, it, it sets you up for the future. So it's, it's not the worst idea in the world. And I can see why they're at least exploring those kind of options. Uh, yeah. I think the one thing that I go back to is when I start getting confused and thinking of all these possibilities, is you have a GM, that, a president who's relatively predictable. And so we know Daryl Morey wants a star, top 25 level player. Does, what, does the idea that we're talking about give you a tangible way where that's a possibility? And I'm, I'm not seeing it jump out unless you're telling me he thinks Halliburton will be that guy. Uh, and so if, if it's not that, then I'm thinking it's probably not the way they're going to go here. Yeah, it would definitely, I think, take them out of the, oh, you could get a Lillard or Beal down the road. Whereas I, I do think if they got Halliburton, and we've had these discussions in the past, like a guy like that, you can make the argument that teams would rather have a Halliburton than a Simmons in, in a deal. Like if if uh, Portland did want to like finally pull the plug on Lillard and, and get the rebuild going then like why like Halliburton would just have as much potential value to a rebuilding team as Ben would because Halliburton doesn't have any glaring weaknesses in this game. He's younger than Ben is and you could have him fit. You could, you could do a roster build a lot easier around a guy like Halliburton than you could with Simmons who you have to have specific players around him to maximize his, his abilities. Um, so I, I think you're still yeah. in the running if, for, for all those stars. If you have someone like Halliburton, if, if you don't and you do this kind of like, we'll get helpful role player pieces and free up salary for the future, that helps you in free agency. But I, I think then you're out of the, the disgruntled star market. Yeah. And I don't think the Sixers are prepared to get out of that disgruntled star market. So I think if we ha- were to have this conversation in a month and Halliburton is a Sixer, you and I could say intuitively, all right, we deduce that they felt he helps us a lot this year and he doesn't take us out of the running for Beal this summer. That's why we wanted Halliburton and either Heald or Barnes, whoever made it work. That makes a lot of sense. But doing the other thing where you're getting Fox and you don't love his fit and maybe you're offloading some salary and Tobias, but you still don't have a ton of cap space, that makes a lot less sense to me. So I don't see it as, ha- as likely. Yeah, it's it's more of an interesting thought experiment to me than something that I feel is really realistic. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it it just seems like Daryl's been so intent on getting back that's that either A or A minus level star for Ben 
that him just punting on that idea and saying, oh, well, I freed up future cap space by getting off Tobias, it seems unlikely. Yeah. Um, so another another interesting kind of path uh, that you, you wrote about earlier in the week for us at Liberty Ballers was what about like Lillard and Beal? Like how is that even possible? Is that something that they could conceivably do down the road? And could you just kind of walk us through your thought process there and and what the the moves would have to be to even get two max players? Yeah, we had to learn about this when we were worried about losing Jimmy Butler. And there was all of a sudden the pile of smoke. I mean, Daryl Morey and the Houston Rockets were rolling out the red carpet for Butler come to Texas where you're, where you're from. And at first we dismissed it. And then a week later, we were like, wait, is this a thing? Could they really get him? Um, And so it just is a reminder that even though they have nothing to trade that the Sixers wanted really, and they had no cap space, if a player wanted it to happen, all of a sudden you have to completely flip all of your thinking because it's, it's possible that this could happen. And so the Sixers could hold Ben Simmons through the trade deadline, or they could trade him for Halliburton and other stuff uh, and then make a sign and trade for a player like Beal. If Beal just said, I really want to be a Sixer, he would need to convince the Wizards that he was going to walk for nothing. And this is a little trickier than in years past. When it was 2019, Jimmy Butler could say, I want to go to Brooklyn. I want to go to L.A. And there were two L.A. teams with cap space. And you were like, well, yeah, he probably will go to one of these places. These are huge markets with a beach. Um, now you'd have to say, well, I'm, I'm going to walk and go to like Cleveland because they're one of the few teams with the max to offer. But if he could convince them that he was really going to do that, um, then they might say, hey, we'd be thrilled to get Ben Simmons in that type of scenario. So let's do a sign and trade and work the whole thing out amicably. Uh, and then once that's done, Beal could do the recruiting for you. He could call Zach Levine and say, hey, me, you, and Joel work out with Pure Sweat and Drew Hanlon every summer. Why would we not want to be a super team? You guys just got bounced in the, you know, in the second round of the playoffs, you're not going to win anything with DeMar DeRozan turning 33, 34. Let's go to Philly. And if he made that pitch and Joel me convinced them, then the Sixers would have to essentially match Beal's max and Levine's base rate salary, which is about 20 million. And they could do that. They would just have to use all of, all of their other assets to entice these teams that it's better than losing this player for nothing. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to talk about, and I wanted to, I wanted to hit on it because I, I thought it was an interesting article. But that's that's putting a lot on Joel Embiid's shoulders as a guy people want to play with, and I'm sure they would love to play with him. But Philadelphia as a market has never been that that marquee draw. Like you're not near a beach, you're not in New York or LA, which are seen as like the media entertainment hubs. You're not in a state like Texas or Florida where your tax, your taxable income would be your, your taxes are a lot. There's no state taxes. So your salaries go a lot farther than they do. uh, If you play in some of these states that have higher taxes, Uh, like Philadelphia just doesn't have those draws. So it's asking a lot for, the, the only thing the Sixers ha- would have going for them in these scenarios really is, hey, Joel Embiid is a MVP candidate, so you get to play with them. But 
there are a handful of other teams that have also have MVP type caliber players and maybe have better peripheral things going for them as a market or whatever else. Uh, it, it was interesting to think about, but yeah, if we just have to put in like how super unlikely even, even one of those steps would be, let alone, let alone two and going down the path even farther. Yeah. Super unlikely. Although if you did get one, uh, I think the, the chances that you could then convince the third guy to come would be much higher than um, without that extra recruiter, you know? Yep. Yeah. We're going from one to two is harder than going from two to three to be sure yeah, probably. because they do, they do tend to flock in, in trios. Um, all right. So important uh, to think about, we got only a few weeks left until the NBA trade deadline, but something tells me we're, we're not going to get a final decision until at least February. Uh, Daryl's going to make every call he can here, examine every unturned corner to, to see what could pop up. Um, uh, yeah. Unless he's absolutely blown away, which I don't, I don't see why he would be at this point. I think this thing's going to linger until the 23rd hour. Do you think, um, do you think if I ask you today that uh, Ben Simmons will be traded before the deadline? I do think so. Yeah. I think, I think it'll eventually be something like a Halliburton or uh, the Spurs rumors have been quiet, but I, I think like a Murray, but I think he might be a little too pricey now that he's playing at an all-star level. Um, and made that leap a little bit, but I think that kind of caliber of player is what they're going to get back. And I think everyone will be perfectly happy with it because a, we're ready to move on, but B, I think that still keeps them in the running for this, the superstar level talent. If one was to become available later, that that's my perceived thinking of the outcome right now, but it it also wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) <laughs> what percent does it not happen? And Ben's just on the roster on February 11th. Twenty percent, thirty. No, yeah, I think I think it's like 60, 40 that he's gone. So I think there's maybe okay. probably like a forty percent chance that he's stolen the team. Yeah, that's pretty close. I, Which, I couldn't disagree too much. I think. Yeah, it's crazy to think about, but <laughs> yeah, if, it, it, it definitely is a real possibility, and and fans need to brace for that potential reality because yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's posturing it, it's posturing in the sense that yeah ideally he'd like to get a great return and have it happen at the deadline but I think for Dow Mori it's more important to get the great return than to just have something done by February 10th so yeah just know that Sixers fans that it, it could definitely happen um Oakland for four years <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, buckle in. I don't buckle know how in. long it's going to be, but if, you, if you're if you're not buckled by now, I think you like <laughs> flew out the window because yeah, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride already, and we're we're still a few weeks away from the trade deadline. So yeah, yeah, they, pull they pull it pull it tight. Make sure you're not only buckled, but that it's firmly locked against your abdomen, and you can't you can't go anywhere. In in years past. If you were to just tell us, hey, Ben Simmons wasn't even the lineup and the Sixers beat the Celtics, we'd be like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Yep. That great way to end it. We'll come full full circle back to the Sixers beating Boston tonight and Boston looking like 
they're a franchise completely in shambles. So just, you know, lap up that shot and fraud for, for, <laughs> for, for how bad Boston looks right now. Sixers, you know, down night against Charlotte. That happens in the NBA, but they have been playing great basketball lately. And they're only three and a half games out of the one seed in the East right now, which is kind of wild, yeah. crazy to think about um, when they were like in 10th a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. So from playing yeah, to. We had a pod where we were like, they could be four games below 500, but the next time we talk. So they went the other way. Yeah. So despite the the lingering Ben Simmons drama and the stink that that creates on everything, at least they're playing good basketball again and shooting back up the standings. So enjoy that. And uh, yeah, Dave, I've enjoyed our conversation. Um, I'll talk to you again soon Uh, for everyone else. They're listening. I hope you have a great weekend. We we have Miami Saturday night and then uh, Eagles Bucks Sunday. So Great, great weekend for Philadelphia sports. Um, I'll talk to you next week, everybody. Go birds. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.